Hey everybody, welcome to the first edition of Freestyle Friday on the Sprint Jump Throw Performance Podcast. Uh, we're going to periodically do this where either I or AC jump on and you know just riff on a specific idea or topic that we've been either brainstorming or workshopping and just kind of give that in a quick little episode that we'll drop on Fridays as the, the name implies. Um, so I have a, a skeleton outline, but if we get off track a little bit, that's fine. Um, but today I'm going to go over how we at UMass football utilize uh, our catapult GPS system to help us optimize our physical preparation, specifically when it comes to sport practice. So it, it'd be easy to hop in and just say, Hey, here are the metrics we track. We're looking at distance and load and velocity, but it's important to first step back and take a 20,000 foot view um, and really get an idea for why, why do we have the units? What is our goal of the, what is the organizational goal for having this system? Because it's not cheap. So if you're going to, invest in this type of um, tool you better make sure you have a good plan to use it um, and some that that goal is unfortunately just oh it, it looks nice for recruiting and it's kind of keeping up with the joneses um, but we at umass make sure to utilize the system in such a way that it is positively impacting on our current student athletes and uh, on our performance so we as the performance staff aim to provide actionable data and recommendations for the, to our head coaches based off of sound principles and statistics that help set up our athletes to be simultaneously as prepared and as fresh as possible for our games. And working from that allows us to be very specific and targeted and efficient with the details when we do get down into those. I guess next from like a, a zoomed out view would be you got to make sure you have top down buy-in in your organization. Basically does the ultimate decision maker for the practices care about the recommendations that are coming from the system or from you as the coach reading outputs from the system and basically does your head coach care and there's, there's probably a good distinction, too, to be made. Some head coaches truly don't care. Some tolerate it. And then some you know, actively seek the advice. And obviously, you want to be the last one of those because um, that means that the system is being optimized to you know, truly impact on student-athlete performance and help set them up to be in, a be in the best spot possible. So now we got that. We'll zoom in a little bit. Um, what metrics do we actually utilize at UMass football? So we look at five things, total distance, total player load, IMAs, or we renamed it explosive efforts. That is any movement in any direction greater than 3.5 meters per second squared. It's essentially really fast X cells, really fast D cells. And then for football, it ends up, tracking you know inadvertently through those fast x cells and d cells it gives a good snapshot of how many contacts somebody is incurring if they are say o lineman or d lineman 
Uh, next, we track high-speed yardage, and we have that threshold as anything above 70% of each individual player's maximum velocity. And we use that relative threshold because it's important. I think it's especially important in a football setting uh, because of the, the wide variance in max velocities that will come both within a position group and then between position groups where as a quick example, we had a receiver this past year whose maximum velocity was 20.0 miles per hour. And we had another DB whose maximum velocity was 23.5 miles per hour. So the threshold for, you know, what's going to have a stimulating effect on their nervous system, that threshold is very different for both of those guys. So if we just had an absolute threshold of oh, high speed yardage is everything above 16 miles per hour, we're going to miss the boat on both of those guys in terms of maybe underestimating in some places and overestimating in others. And then last metric we track is maximum velocity attained in each session. So I guess a quick note after that, you'll see we only track five metrics, um, but Catapult gives you I forget the exact number, but it's in the several hundred in terms of metrics that you can identify and track. A major key is don't track any sort of metric that you're not actually going to utilize um, because it ends up just being extra noise that can get in the way and just fill up brain space that doesn't necessarily need to be filled up. Um, so if you're and even if after a year or two years, you're tracking something and realizing that you're never really, it's never really impacting on your decision making, then maybe you don't need to be tracking it. And the, the specific metrics will be different from sport to sport. Just make sure you identify for your sport what you find valuable and what you can actually make a change off of and then track those. So moving on from that, what do we actually do with the data? So this was year one for us. And in year one, I've heard some talk about this and I think it's an easy trap to fall into where you say, oh, it's year one, we're just collecting data. We don't have anything to go off of yet, we're just collecting data. And I think that is missing the boat a little bit because if you're already working to intelligently plan the practices that are happening and you're having proactive planning and then utilizing the catapult to just confirm what you were already planning on doing, then you can start using it immediately. You can look at, okay, did we wanted today to be a high speed session? Are our guys hitting high speeds relative to their maximum velocities? You can tell that on day one. Whereas if you're, using the system in purely a reactionary way, then, then yeah, you need kind of previous data to work off of where, okay, what happened last year? But that is certainly not the optimal way to do it. Um, the catapult is simply telling you what happened. And so it's not, it's not telling you what's good or what's bad. It just gives you the information of what happened. So it's imperative for you to decide what you actually want to get out of the sessions so then you know what you're looking for when you download the data. And for us in year one, 
having that planning was huge because then you know, we tracked every practice from the start of camp until the end of the season. And there were only two or three total times that we downloaded the data, got the report ready and said, man, that is not what we were looking for today. Um, because we did so much pre-planning going into it that the, the system was able to just help us make small tweaks here and there, which I think is a, a major key. And I guess that kind of harkens back to earlier where I said you got to have top-down buy-in, where if you're at the, you know, you can have the, the middle kind of threshold of, okay, your coach kind of tolerates the catapult and kind of listens to recommendations, or it's, hey, coach is actively seeking your advice in how to go about planning the practice and is doing so well before the catapult is even introduced. So you know, okay, today is a high-speed session or, uh, you know, maybe a slightly lower speed, higher contact type of session, um, whatever you're looking for. And that's a very key step because then it allows you to be more targeted. And we realize that we're lucky at UMass because our head coach actively seeks out our advice in terms of what we're looking for in each practice, how we undulate over weeks and months. And you know, within a, a game week or if it's a bye week or however we go about periodizing that physical aspect, um, our advice is sought out in that process. And then it means that we know exactly what we're looking for when we go in and check out our catapult. So a couple examples of how we were able to confirm some hypotheses that we made in our planning. Um, for our game week, we play on Saturday. Sunday, we come in and do a flush out. Monday is off day. Tuesday and Wednesday are kind of our heavy, heavy hitter practices where Tuesday's a little more high contact, lower speed. And then Wednesday is a little higher speed little less contact if we do go full pads it's on that Tuesday and then going into Thursday we do a true walkthrough that is um, you know truly to kind of shut it down physically and then we ramp up Friday with what we call fast Friday and that leads into Saturday uh, game day and that fast Friday is very high speed very low volume ends up being about 40 minutes and help kind of ramp up our guys nervous systems leading into the next day. And this thought process came from thinking, okay, we know that if we want maximal high intensity outputs, trying to attain those the day after a true off day probably isn't the best way to go. And that's taken from, you know, some track coaches and just general knowledge about, you know, neurological excitation and then also also um, just muscular tension and looking at our game week we basically go off day step up Tuesday into Wednesday and then physically an off day went Thursday that step Friday steps up into Saturday and so we did that before we have ever introduced the catapult and then we were able to use the catapult to confirm that by um, during our fall camp leading up into our first game weeks when whenever we had an off day our second day back from the off day 
always had higher speeds than the first day back from the off day. And so that kind of was a way that we were able to say, okay, like our, our weekly plan, that's definitely what we want to stick to because we don't want that first day back. That's quote unquote, kind of sluggish nervous system day to be, to fall on a Saturday. And so that's uh, where we kind of, we're able to confirm our, our weekly schedule. Next point I want to touch on is if, if there are any, any red flag data points that pop up, make sure to understand the entire context surrounding it before you jump to conclusions or make any kind of rash decisions uh, because it's important to get the full picture. For example, if you have, you might have a DB who you look at the high speed yardage and the max velocities and he's lower than everybody else and knee jerk reaction could be, oh, he's dogging it in practice. Um, when in reality, it might be whatever, a fifth year senior, super savvy center field free safety who is just so often in good position that he's not having to have those oh shit turn and sprint moments. Um, this is a something that's actually seen in soccer where usually the best defenders on the field end up having the lowest speeds attained because they are just always in good positions. So they're not having to have those quick bursts as much. So yeah, just understand the context around anything that looks goofy. So those are some quick ways that we were able to utilize the system in year one, uh, just on the fly without any sort of previous data. And next, at the end of the year, we had two main goals for the system. Break down what actually happens in our games and then break down what we're actually doing in practice in comparison to our games. Because um, there's a lot of nice research out there showing, you know, the demands of football. But those are, you know, generalized across all sorts of teams throughout college football. So it's, it's important to do that for your own team. And so we did that. And one step that we did that I think is uncommon um, from talking with some other people is that we took a total number of plays by each player and superimpose that on top of our catapult data. A total number of plays is not something that you're going to get from the catapult, but we as a staff track that, uh, our GAs and analysts track that, and then we were able to just quickly take that and superimpose it on top of the catapult. So that then gave us a good snapshot of who's actually getting basically like two deep reps. Um, and this allowed us to cut out a lot of noisy data. So you say somebody gets one or two snaps in the game, their per snap data is gonna look like they got 3000 yards per play and 100 high speed yards per play because there is you know, warm ups and just running on and off the field in terms of going to the locker room for halftime, you're going to accumulate a decent amount of load, even if you don't play in the game. And so we're able to delete that noisy data. And then from the guys who were truly playing, and this threshold of number of snaps was different for each position. I believe for our DBs, for example, 
the threshold was 40 snaps. So both defense and special teams combined. You had to have gotten 40 snaps in the game to be included in the quote-unquote master file. And from that master file, we were then able to take um, our main metrics per play. So total distance, total load, explosive efforts, high-speed yardage, all those per play, and then extrapolate that out to the average number of plays that that position is getting. So to use our, keep using our DBs as the example, they average uh, a two-deep defensive back in our system that's like a ball player is averaging 65 snaps per game. And so we were able to take 65 snaps, multiply it by the per play averages, and then that gave us a good snapshot of a UMass DB in our system. They're a typical average game is going to be 65 snaps with X amount of distance, load, explosive efforts, and high-speed yardage. And that uh, is important because it gives us a snapshot of what our system actually looks like, and that helps us better plan off-season loads and you know, work up our specific volumes in the summer leading up to the season and then even into camp knowing what these guys are going to be expected to do in a game in our system, and then we can build off of that. So next, we wanted to break down practice to make sure that what we're doing in practice is appropriate when we put it next to what we're actually doing in the game. And so we were able to break it down by total number of periods that we did in practice and for a period for us is five minutes and we're lucky because uh, coach bell is very strict on the five minutes uh, i've certainly been places where the the five minute period can bleed into six seven eight minute periods that is uh definitely not not what you want if you're you know putting in sort of intelligent planning beforehand and not to say little tweaks are going to be made along the way but it's nice to know that the plan is going to be relatively stuck to. So we broke down our practices per position by 20 periods, 18, 16, 14, 12, and 10. And we were able to then compare that to a, an average game and see what percentage of our average game are we giving them in all of these certain practices. And it ended up working out pretty nicely where – uh, a 20 period practice for us was essentially 80% of a game um, with a little bit of variability across the different metrics and positions. But, but for the most part, it was around, you know, 80% of a game. And then it pretty much worked down 10% from there. So 18 period practice was about 70% of the game. And then all the way down to um, uh, 10 period practice being about, 30% of the game, if I just did my math correctly. And so that was another way for us that we were able to do some confirmation on the back end where we said, okay, like we did a pretty solid job of planning. And okay, here's maybe where we could tweak some things in the future. But it was nice to have that, some of that planning be confirmed. Obviously, if we got to the end and we did all the math and it was like, well, our normal Tuesday practice is 145% of a game, then maybe we'd want to go back to the drawing board. Um, 
because you def probably don't want your hardest day of the week to be not the game. And so for us, being able to come back at the end of the season and say, okay, great. We were, we were in a, a decent spot. Didn't necessarily do it perfectly, but we're going to make tweaks. And the data allows us to make very small tweaks because we planned ahead of time instead of, you know, just throwing out the entire plan and saying, well, we got to the end of year one and didn't like what we saw. So I guess we got to change everything. That's obviously not going to happen. So let's apologize if I, uh, this is kind of a, a catapult talk, but I'm probably actually talking about the, the pre-planning more because honestly, it's more important. If you, if you have the catapult and the tracking system without the pre-planning, then you're going to get some use of it, but not as much as if you, you know, really dive into wanting to, to make change and setting up the system in such a way that it's helping you make little tweaks here and there. Um, I guess the next, another little extra project that we're working on now is breaking down our practices even more by individual periods. And so we'll be able to look at, okay, per five minute special team period, this is the load that each position group um, on average incurred. And then that'll help us even a little bit more moving forward because we can look at, okay, our, our special teams period or where we're getting our most high speed yardage, or maybe it's during third down blitz, we're getting a ton of contacts and that'll maybe help us, you know, consolidate different stressors on different days throughout both fall camp and then game weeks to help again, tweak our plan and help optimize the physical condition that our guys are in on Saturdays. All right. I am uh, to the end of the, the talking points that I wanted to get through. Um, I appreciate you tuning in again with the catapult probably sound like a broken record. It's just a tool and you got to make sure you're using it to maximize your own planning and not just leaning on it as a crutch because it doesn't make decisions for you. It just gives you data. It's a tool. And if you're not utilizing it the best way you can, it ends up just being a very expensive waste of time. But if you are putting systems in place from, you know, both your own team's perspective or your own performance team, but then also throughout the entire building, then you can get tons of value from it. And that's ultimately what you want to do because that's what's going to impact on the student athlete. And that's the goal at the end of the day. Help them out. Help, help put them in a place where they can perform at their best. And that's, that is what we're looking to do. Yeah, if you have any follow-up questions, don't hesitate to reach out to myself. Uh, or you know, AC does similar work uh, with his soccer team that he'll probably touch on in a future episode. But yeah, don't hesitate to reach out, ask any questions you got. I'm more than willing to talk shop on how we do things and appreciate you tuning in and we'll see you next week.